As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Down the block, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. It's got the ball. Jared Whisperer, what a weekend it was. You look like you were busy. What's doing? How good is it the footy's back, mate? Um, yeah, it was up until all hours in the morning, Saturday and Sunday, watching all the footy, getting the guys the reviews. So huge weekend, but it's it's good to unwind. But I've missed the footy. I don't know about you, mate, but it's good to have it back. Mate, I have missed it so much. Having it back on the weekend was sensational. I, I didn't sit through many complete 80-minute games, to be honest with you. I probably watched 50 or 60 of most of the games. And, um, geez, it's hard with these trials, isn't it? I mean, there's so much to take in, but then there's also so many irrelevant minutes in all these games. And you've got a time when you're watching what, what's on what screen. It's a hard balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, like I said in my podcast, I want to praise the NRL for doing what they did and, and allowing all the games to be streamed, but... I think maybe it could be managed a little bit better next year, maybe split it over a 10 o'clock start on a Saturday and a Sunday, maybe split that across both days. But yeah, towards the back end of those games, mate, it was it was a lot of uh, kids getting run around and it was a bit of a bit of a hard slog, especially in certain games at the back end of it. But uh, it's good to see young, young kids get a run. It's good to see the teams play their first grade sides as well. Mate, it gave me a little flashback. I remember, what, maybe 10, 15 years ago when, when I was a young teenager, I, I was doing a paper run every morning and I still remember the, the first Sunday after the trials and you'd read the reports on each one and it'd just be 25 names you'd never fucking heard of, but you'd you'd look at these scores, you get so excited. I remember then thinking, my God, like trial form, it's so important. It's it's crazy how far it's come. And you know, now I look at it and I'm like, fuck, how much, how much do you actually invest into trial form? That's what I said, mate. Like it wasn't it wasn't seven eight years ago that you had to look at the paper to see the trial scores. But um, yeah, look, it's good. We we all want to hype it up, but uh, apart from forty minutes, I think a lot of it is unrelated. But it's always good to see these guys that have been in the black book. Someone like a Dominic Young from the Knights, for example. It's good to see him get a run out. Good to see your fan favorite Brad Dietz get a run. So these guys that we we look at coming through the juniors, it's good to see them get a run. But uh, yeah, I think the important parts are the first graders that we'll touch on today. Mate, obviously there was a couple of injuries that are going to have big impact on Supercoach. It was a bad weekend to be a hooker just quietly. Yeah, Harry Grant and uh, Wade Egan not looking good. 
Mate, let's kick off with Harry Grant and the Melbourne Storm over the last couple of hours. They have announced that he should miss three weeks. It's normally a six to eight week injury. So for him to come back in round three, you're probably looking at about a six week return there. Um, You know, it could be a little bit longer, but obviously Brandon Smith, you'd assume that he would come in at nine. I would assume he'd go close to 80. I'm not confident if he will or not. Let's say best case scenario, Brandon Smith plays 80 minutes. Obviously, you can pick him in your classic team at hooker or at second row. Are you looking at him? No, mate. No. If if Brandon was out for six weeks, I'd be 100% all over it. But three weeks, we get one price rise out of that. Um, the cheese. He looked a little bit gassed as well in the trial. Obviously, we know that fitness isn't his strong point. But it's just not a long enough spell for Grant to be out for him to, to make cash. And uh, I think you touched on it as well in terms of draft prospects. Grant, uh, Grant could be a good pickup because he's now flying under the radar. So look for me, Brandon Smith in classic probably isn't uh, an ideal option. Like I said to you before we started recording, if he was the the storms 13 um, coming into the, to the season and then moved to nine, then I'd be much more confident because I know that he would go back to that 13 role once Grant comes back, but looks like he's going to come off the bench um, with the likes of Dale Finnecane. So yeah, unfortunately for me, the cheese isn't a viable prospect. Like I said in my review, I can't wait for him to get to his own club in 2022 and, and really be his own man. Mate, it could be anything if, you know, three weeks in, Harry Grant returns. Let's say he returns round four. Uh, and, you know, obviously coming back from injury, they might he might split minutes with uh, the cheese for a couple of weeks. There's, there's a possibility that you could end up getting a slightly cheaper Harry Grant, probably round seven or so is in there. 100%. He's 600K plus at the moment. So if he comes back and, and Belliac only eases him into sort of 40, 45 minutes, we could see that go down to, to 480 to 500K and it's a, a good pickup then. But yeah, I'd be leaving any Melbourne Storm hookers for the first five to six weeks. Mate, obviously Brandon Smith, uh, dual position hooker, second row forward. Uh, another one of those is big jazz out of the New Zealand Warriors. And all the talk this offseason over from New Zealand has been that Wade Egan, he's going to be the 80-minute hooker off the back of Lawton's injury. Now, Wade Egan's gone down here for the Warriors. Uh, jazz, I thought he was going to be the most irrelevant guy in this team 48 hours ago. All of a sudden, he's got a spot. You've got to be looking at him, don't you? I called for Jazz a week ago and the injury's gone down and it's made me love Jazz even more. We know what he can do uh, in the in the lock position. Absolutely beast in terms of workload. At hooker, I don't see it changing that much either. You go back two years ago when he was playing a lot of hooker and he was still averaging 70s. So you've mentioned it a couple of times. I've said it before. I wouldn't put my foot where Jazz puts his head. The bloke just loves loves the fight, loves to get in and, and make tackles. And at uh, at the hooker stocks at the Warriors, there's not really much going around. So it'd be very, very hard to see him not playing at least 65 minutes. Uh, with Jazz, obviously, a lot of people will be bringing them into his into their classic side. And it makes me wonder, where's the best position to bring him in? I mean, is there enough cheapies or are you meant to have a gun at hooker? Should they be bringing him into the back row? Where would you see him coming into most sides? For me personally, I've got him in the side at the moment. I've shifted Connor Watson down to 5'8 and brought Jazz in at hooker just because I can't really... The way I look at my classic side is I'm looking at the four reserves I have to play. I think they're the most important positions for me. I don't want to be running guys that I'm not confident on. So running Watson down at 5'8, at I was already going to start him. So if I can run him at 5'8, I can put the reserve on him and that's a, a position already filled for me. Whereas I could put Jazz in and, and fill, a, fill a good void. Whereas if I put him at back row, I've got to find another reserve. I've got to look at someone like a Jordan Ricky who not too sure on minutes. So those four reserves are crucial for me. And that's why I brought Jazz in at hooker and shifted Watson down to 5'8. 
Made the uh, the West Tigers. They did a serious number on the Manly Seagulls. That was Sunday afternoon. A couple of things to come out of this game. We'll start with the uh, the injury first. Now, Cade Castor went down with a thumb injury. Put on one hell of a song and dance. Would have got a Logie for that performance. We all assumed he was going to be out for a while. And I wasn't aware of this, but you told me this afternoon there's some good news coming out of the Cade Cust camp. Uh, yeah, via the NRL physio, it looks like he has been passed of a broken thumb. Uh, he should start round one. So he's a smoky to, to put in your side as well as a, as a pot option. Unfortunately, this might put the red line through our, our favorite, Josh Schuster. Uh, what a performance from him on the weekend. But yeah, look, the way that Cuss carried on, it looked like a bloody season-ending injury, but he's fine to play round one. And yeah, I think that spells disaster for Schuster, but it could be a good smoky option for Cade Cuss. Mate, it would have been really interesting if Cast did go down. I mean, would that have mean that we see Foran go to nine? Would that have seen Schuster go to nine? I know you, you mentioned to me before we started recording, potentially playing Schuster at one. It would have made it really interesting, and it would have opened up a plethora of options for us, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, if, if anyone watched that game, obviously the Tigers tore them apart, but all 18 points, uh, Schuster had a hand in them, all three tries. So I think he set up both of them and scored one. So he, he had his hand on everything, and if your Des Hauser looking at that, you've just got to think, shit, how do I get this bloke in the side? And when Benji Marshall said last year was the best debut he's ever seen, we we can quickly look at that and, and not raise an eyebrow. That was a phenomenal performance on the weekend. But uh, yeah, the Tigers at Leichhardt, it's pretty synonymous on a, on a Sunday afternoon. They looked very good too. Really good stocks coming out of the Tigers as well. Mate, the standout from this game, and I'll be honest with you, it did my head in watching him. I drafted him last year and had the highest of highest hopes, and he didn't let me down. I think he averaged 63 or 65 or something impressive. Obviously, the younger Leilua brother. Uh, But for me, I mean, watching him come through at the Dragons, he was an offload. He was an entertainment machine just built for Supercoach, and... Whilst it wasn't hard to watch him last year, it was a little bit disappointing watching him essentially turn into a stock standard back rower. Leichhardt Oval Sunday, we saw the very best out of Leilua. It is going to be very interesting this year if he keeps that up, isn't it? That left edge of the Tigers looks lethal. I posted on Facebook that uh, Luke Brooks is a potential option for, for classic sides, and everyone laughed at me, but he Luke Brooks looked really good, especially as the main man at the Tigers. Looks like he's shifting both sides, but the biggest beneficiary from that was Luciano. Looked absolutely phenomenal. He reminded me of a similar mould to Viliami Kikau, but likes to run the ball a bit more than Viliami. Wasn't used so much as a decoy, but rather as a battering ram. So uh, another one we can look at was Jimmy the Jet as well, I think. I think uh, Jimmy the Jet looked energetic. He looked like he wanted to get his hands on the ball as well, rather than being pigeonholed in the center. So I think the the X factor for the Tigers is big this year, but it's all about how they're going to get used. And uh, there's probably no better coach to utilize that much X factor and try and mold it into a, into a first grade player than Madge McGuire. I'm looking forward to seeing how they hold up against a side that can attack just quietly. There is defensive weaknesses all over this team. And I, geez, I'll tell you what, if I imagine just from watching him over the last few years, to me, watching the two Leilua's next to each other, throwing offloads left, right and center. And, you know, it's inevitable that they're going to have defensive issues. It's, it's a really interesting mixture for Madge. It's sort of like he's going against everything we've ever known about Michael Maguire, isn't it? Yeah, we've been told for years he's just the defensive stalwart, but he's now got David Nofaluma, he's got Jimmy Roberts, he's got BJ Leilua, Luciano, uh, even someone like a Jake Simkin was very electric when he came on. So, yeah, it's not the roster that Madge probably wanted to have when he came to the Tigers, but it looks like he's building something good. But uh, are you trying to tell me that the Tigers putting 50 on a fifth-grade side of Manly wasn't impressive and I should cancel my grand final tickets? No, mate, no, 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 by all means. Go, go to grand final day. I'm sure the <laughs> Melbourne Storm will put on a show for you, but... I just think it's going to be interesting this year. Uh, 
you know, obviously Sunday was impressive. Don't get me wrong. But I think the real test of Michael Maguire will be when they're looking down two or three losses in a row and there's pressure building and there will be there will be tape upon tape of these guys, the, the, the spot defenders that are spread all through their team missing tackles. And I just think it's going to be very interesting to watch. I hope that... I hope if Madge is going to dive in on this style of footy, he needs to back it in week in, week out, regardless of what their results are. There's no point entering the season like this, backing these guys in, getting a bit of pushback from media and just completely shitting the bed and changing everything. If you've got these high-ceiling players, you've gone after them. I think you just got to give them some rope, don't you? Yeah, just based off the trials, it doesn't look like there's many better sides than the Tigers when they're in full flight. looks like they're very, very hard to stop when they are on that front foot. But you're right, it's when your backs are against the wall, how are these guys going to respond when, when the going gets tough? We saw last year that BJ Lelua, Luciano lost their heads a little bit. So it's where the Magic can really uh, nurture that and keep these guys level-headed. Mate, I'm going to bring you back on tomorrow. We're going to be talking about a couple of roosters. Angus Crichton, he was incredibly impressive. The two young halves, Sam Walker and Lachlan Lamb, very impressive as well. A couple of bunnies that set the world alight, albeit against the Dragons. But Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, I'm sure they're going to be in plenty of conversations. And then, of course, one of your favourites, Jermaine Asako from the Brisbane Broncos. Didn't he look good? Fantastic, mate. I've been calling for it all pre-season. Got a lot of pushback, but uh, it's good to see Asako looking good. I'll uh, I'll have you on tomorrow and we'll dive into those fellas. 